Hello, my name's Patrick, and I'm a Scream Queen. I'm a Scream Queen, and so are you! <laughs> Screamers, and welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Scream Queens, the podcast where horror gets gay. This is episode 191, and tonight we're taking yet another trip back in time to visit a made-for-TV movie from the 1980s this time, chock-full of horror movie stars and a few really scary TV people as well and we're talking about the movie from 1983 deadly lessons there's a strangler in the girls school and nobody's safe oh no oh no and i'm going to be joined by the director of the upcoming horror movie safe place as well as one of the stars of the film i'm talking about nick hunt and lara jean mumere and we're gonna have tons of fun but first yeah, I just went all Julie Chen on you, but first, please allow me to introduce myself. My name is Patrick Walsh, and for the next day, hour and a half or so, I'm going to be your guide to the weird and wonderful world of horror movies, just like I am pretty much twice every month. So, before we go an inch further, let me just tell you, I am on painkillers. So, I'm going to keep this as short as I can, because I'm a, in pain, and B, feeling really weird, so who knows what's going to come out of my mouth. I am in a super squeaky chair right now, and we're all just going to have to deal with that, because I am hearing the noise coming out of my butt right now, and it's not even my butt noise. What are we even talking about? We're not even two minutes into the show, and I'm already off the rails. Well... This is going to be fun, isn't it? Okay, so what's been going on in Scream Queen's headquarters? Okay, Smoochie Watch, Smoochie Watch, ding dong, what's going on with that cat? Nothing, absolutely nothing. The cat is perfectly fine, perfectly good, and perfectly boring. I'm really happy to report that. It's really kind of exciting to have nothing to report about my goddamn cat. Yay! But what else has been happening? Now... For those of you who are following me on Facebook, you will know that I teased a little something. I said, can you guess what host of a long-running horror podcast with a big gay twist to it, what host of a long-running horror podcast went to the emergency room due to injuries inflicted during a sex-related mishap? Any guesses? It's me. <laughs> Yeah, last week I've I've been kind of seeing somebody and things have been going great and, you know, sex is happening. Sometimes sex can be dangerous even when you're not doing anything. That thing, well, okay, just say it. If you're going to be playing with poppers, be, be careful about your head angle because let's just say daddy slipped off a pillow and all of a sudden a whole bottle of poppers went right up his nose. And it was funny for about five seconds, and then the pain set in, and then I was like, oh, I have to go and wash it off, and I passed the fuck out. Next thing I know, I'm in the emergency room, and I'm fine. I'm fine. It's It was just more funny than anything. But, you know, just saying, be careful with the poppers, kids. Don't do them. Don't do them. They're bad. Don't, don't be like Daddy. Don't be like Daddy and have to explain 
to a medical technician why your nose is all burnt and why you smell like video head cleaner. And why do you even have video head cleaner? Because it's 2017. Who has video heads to clean anymore? That's neither here nor there. Sex. Be careful with it. On an unrelated injury thing, I have got a frozen shoulder. I woke up on Saturday and I wasn't able to move. And it's been a major issue. I, I've been to my chiropractor and he took care of the pain, but he said, oh, I think you're going to have to get x-rays. So at some point this week, I have to go get x-rays and find out what's going on with my shoulder because I can, it's better, but I feel that it's threatening to do bad things. So sitting down to record the show has been difficult because recording the show isn't a problem. Editing is because I know I'm going to be hunched over the computer for hours and hours and hours with bad posture, and that's going to make everything that's going on back there worse. So I'm doing my my best to remain erect while I'm talking to you. <laughs> I'm 12 years old. <laughs> I'm so immature. <laughs> okay, so what else has been going on? Not a whole heck of a lot. Uh, the thing is, the night before my shoulder froze up, I had gone. I taken Mr. Brad to see 1984 on Broadway. They're doing a, a stage version of the, you know, the George Orwell piece, and I had to leave in the middle of it because my head started doing weird things. It got all swimmy, and, and I got dizzy, and I thought I was going to pass out. And I got home and thought it was okay. And next day, woke up with this shoulder problem. So I'm guessing the two things were related. So I left Mr. Brad there, and what is a possibly was being considered one of the most terrifying things to be on Broadway in ages. It's The end of it is supposed to be absolutely horrifying, and I'm going to have to go back and see it again. Although, I have to say, we were being really immature because they kept talking about Big Brother in the show because that's what it's about. And you know, every time they brought up Big Brother and the scene would change, I would go to Mr. Brem and be like, but first, let's eavesdrop on the house. It was just stupid. It was stupid. It was just stupid, and I deserved to go home. Uh, gosh, so I, I, I've just been laying around a lot. It's not sexy. It's not glamorous. I've just been a lazy, back achy piece of crap. And I got to say, I'm trying to watch stuff on Netflix. What happened to Netflix? There's nothing to watch on Netflix anymore. I mean, there's a, a few horror movies that pop up have just been like, bleh. Or the good ones I'm saving for October. But for the most part, it's just garbage. And Amazon Prime is even worse. All of a sudden, everything is just completely bottom of the barrel, cheap-ass, unoriginal, found footage garbage. I'm rewriting the horror movie rules for 2017. You know how it's all, oh, don't have sex, don't take drugs, don't say I'll be right back. No. The only rule for the horror movie for 2017 is don't become a documentary filmmaker because apparently that's like the deadliest career that you could possibly go into. You can make a documentary film, you're all going to die. There's no way out of it. It's just garbage, garbage, garbage. The, the one thing that I had hope in, it started off so well. There was a series on Netflix right now and it's uh taiwanese and it's called close your eyes before it's dark and it's about this you know these eight kids who were in a high school hiking club and they're getting together back at this mountain for a reunion they had buried a time capsule there they're going to dig up the time capsule and it's going to be a great time except they keep dying 
There's a flood. They're trapped up there. And somebody is picking people off one by one by one by one. And I had to say, the first episode was so incredibly eerie. It gave me such hope for the series. I'm just about done with it. But it has turned into the most boring slog. I mean, the the deaths are, are extremely rare, and it which is weird because one of the most striking things about this series is the opening credits that they show at the beginning of every show, which is the slow motion pans of the cast dead in freezers and hanging from chains and stuff. It's really unsettling. And given the mood of the first episode, I had really high hopes of where this was going. This was just so moody and eerie and, and this wonderful feeling of doom to the whole piece. And by, by now, I'm just like, just kill all of them. I can't anymore. Everybody's just behaving stupidly. It feels like they've been on this mountain for 16 years. Nobody seems to care that anybody's dying. It's just everybody just keeps running in circles and making the worst possible choices. And I'm bored out of my mind. So just another thing on Netflix that has completely let me down. I'm hoping the solution will maybe blow my mind and maybe the last reel of it will will turn everything topsy-turvy, but it's it's eight episodes. We're talking eight plus hours right now and I, I, I'm just sticking through it out of gumption at this point. And oh, I would be neglect to mention that some really bad things have gone on since our last episode. And I'm talking weather-wise. I'm talking about Hurricane Harvey and, and Hurricane Irma. And I know a lot of you out there have been affected. The My guests for this episode were very much affected. I know Nick was evacuated and, and had a really hard time. He's doing okay now. But to all of you out there who are suffering and, and, and hanging in there, we got your back. If you need anything, please let us know. Screamers stick together. We'll we'll slap some kind of help for you together, and and we're here. Even if you just need to talk, drop a line. Because none of that's okay, and uh, we we just hope everybody's all right out there. Uh, Was that lame? Probably. I don't know. I'm on painkillers. So I think we're just going to segue right into the main portion of the program, which is, of course, uh, uh, Deadly Lessons, which is available on YouTube if you were not there for the screening, which I believe something went wrong. I, I was having internet troubles that day, and I think that possibly I lost internet connection and it ruined it for everybody. If that did happen, I haven't been able to confirm that one way or another. I do apologize. And uh, the movie is available on YouTube in full for you to check out. And I think you should, even though, be warned, we're going to spoil the shit out of it in this review. I tried to avoid it, but my guests just kept bringing up the ending really early. So if you want to catch Deadly Lessons, go find it on YouTube. It's a hoot. It's got tons of 80s horror movie people in it, as well as Bill Paxton and and, and, and fun people from TV. And it's a decent whodunit. I think you'll like it. And I think you're going to like this conversation with Nick and Laura Jean and me even more. But before we start, remember last time I was talking about my experiences at FlameCon. And one of the things I mentioned was that I had run into the folks from Choirfly, that they were the acapella group, that it was all nerd stuff. And I was hoping to get a selection of their music. Well, it took a little longer than I would have liked, but I am thrilled to bring to you now one of the songs of the fabulous group 
Choirfly. And if you want to find out more information, I will have links to them in the show notes and on the webpage. But for now, sit back and relax and enjoy Choirfly performing from the show Firefly, the hero of Canton. this voyage back to the glorious days of the made-for-TV horror movie are two very special people. And I gotta say, this guy 
is the proverbial squeaky wheel. He has been hounding me to get on this show forever, and he's finally here, and I'm thrilled to have him. And he brought one of the stars of his movie. So I am thrilled to introduce to you the director of the upcoming super scary movie, Safe Place, and one of the stars of the movie, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Mr. Nick Hunt and Laura Patrick. Hi, everybody. Hey. Hi, <laughs> I told you I was going to go all Kermit the Frog. You thought, yo, he's not really going to go all Kermit the Frog, but I did. Hey, if you want to, if you want to have a voice impression off, we could totally do that. No. no, because I will skew everything so that I win because it's my show. Yeah, that's true. This is how we roll. So now, Nick. Has been. I have to say, Nick, you are an amazing marketer promoter. Every day you're out there selling safe space and selling like stuff for stuff to people you love, people's podcasts and their movies. It is amazing to watch. I would hire you if I had money. Uh, well, thank you so much. You know, uh, as you said, I've been hounding you for the better part of a year and a half to try and get on this show. Um, and I'm a very my, persistent individual. Yeah. And imagine my surprise when I finally agreed to it. And I said, so is there a copy of Safe Space for me? It's not even made yet. <laughs> That's how I know. That's how committed this guy is to this project. He has a great idea, and he is ready to sell it. So let's just talk about what is Safe Place. Thrill me. Thrill you. Okay. <laughs> All right, Nick. You're well, right. you know, I, I'm, the, oh, no, I'm the one that usually answers this question. So how about Lara? Why don't, I, why, why don't you explain what safe place is? She's been very quiet, and I don't, want, I don't want her to get lost in the shuffle of these two big alpha males and us being horrible to women. No, we're not going to get that <laughs> reputation. No, Lara Jean. <laughs> I will say, first and foremost, um, thank you, Patrick, for having me on the show, and thank you, Nick, for also inviting me on the show. It's super exciting, and I've been um, following um, Patrick. I've been following you on Facebook, and you're always so busy and um, keeping busy, so good on that, and good for, Mm -hmm. you know, keeping up with your work. And then um, I want to say, it was about a year ago when Nick Hunt... uh, Oh my gosh, it's close to a year, Nick, when, when you had approached uh, mm-hmm. for a safe place. But when Nick originally called me, he had gotten my contact through a friend of mine. Um, I believe it was Charles Chidabala's, like, been, like, reaching out to people and tell, saying good things about me. So shout out to him. Um, and I will say, when I read the script to Safe Place, I was jaw dropped. Safe Place is a film that is changing the step of horror as far as what you see, how you see women in horror in the horror industry. And it is by far, um, uh, for over the past, I would say, I don't even know if this has even been done, where the cast is predominantly women and strong female women. And these women have a lot of say in the film. So that being said, um, Safe Place um, is basically about um, these, you know, six um, young adults 
that get together to um, attend uh, a friend's uh, like art opening, and they gather, and uh, they go to um, this small town where it is, and uh, them meeting, um, you know, they haven't seen each other in a while, and they kind of get to know each other again, and, you know, mm-hmm. past memories and things like mm-hmm. that, and um, as this happens, um, things start... Hold on a second. Things, what could possibly yeah. go wrong? Please continue. <laughs> yeah. No. I was like, anyway, yeah. What could possibly go wrong? But, nothing. Um, nothing could possibly go wrong with this wonderful no. scenario that you're setting up. Absolutely no. nothing. What a fun comedy romp. <laughs> yes. And, you know, you have this amazing, beautiful cast of men and women. You have Asha Mary Nunez. You have Bill Oppert, which has recently joined the cast. Um, yes. He's amazing. Um, so thankful to have him on board. We have Genevieve Rossi, which is also a New York native. So she's over yes. there in your city. Um, we have Gregory Blair. We tell have her how, when, when the next time you talk to her, tell her that Patrick said, how you doing? Oh, how you doing? I will. That's I'll right. tell her that. <laughs> so she will say, no, how you doing back, because that's how we roll. Please continue. Sorry. <laughs> so shout out to her. And uh, so uh, everybody's character in this film has a big part in the storyline. And I'm not going to go too deep into detail of everyone's character, but Please I will don't. say... No, um, no, no. I, mean, I thought you were going to say spoilers. So no, I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. No. That didn't come out right. <laughs> no, no, no. I will. I, I say, will. Keep some secrets. Keep some secrets. <laughs> I will say that me and Nick are very, very similar when it comes to not really giving a lot of detail. Like, I don't want to give too much detail on this film. I will say that um, there's just a lot of, it's just amazing dialogue, amazing storyline. Um, to go back into the whole idea of the film, is, especially as my character, Detective Denise Felton, is I've kind of... Um, kind of keep watch on what's going on with this group of people and I okay. want to know what, what's happening and what's going on and um, so uh, these group of students uh, get themselves um, in some situations and I have to kind of as this young detective come in and kind of uh, foresee everything and um, make sure the place is safe for everybody involved and, the place uh, has to be safe <laughs> the title Hence the title. Um, That'd be very waiting for Godot if it's called Safe Place and there's no safe place. Anyway, please Godot. Please please Godot is what I just said. Please continue. (laughs) No, and it's it's literally just that. You have your character, um, Chris Craven, that's played by Gregory Blair, that's going to be an amazing... uh, uh, He's... uh, That character, Chris Craven, is uh, big in the storyline. And uh, that's all I'm going to say. And it's just great things happen. I'll leave the rest to Nick because... (laughs) Okay. Okay. Well, I was very excited because Nick was teasing for a long time these these big names that were getting attached. He's like, I can't announce it yet. I can't announce it yet. So I started guessing who the big celebrities were, and I was right every time. And it's not people you not every time in every horror movie. Nick has been really fortunate to sign onto the movie Rip Taylor Charo. And the Lander sisters. It's going to be a whole love. No, no, no that's really not true. Oh, Pat, Patty, Patty LaBelle just came on as well. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and I, I don't want, I, I don't want to jinx, I don't want to jinx it, but Carrot Top. Oh, oh, see, oh no! I hope he dies really early. 
I hope it was really early. Okay, so we're going to come back to safe place later on before we go to make sure that it's fresh in everybody's mind before we sign off. Now, I was eavesdropping on their conversation for a while because they didn't know I was on the line yet. Because <laughs> you, you, cause, cause, uh, Nick, I don't know how old you are, but we're closer in age, and you know, uh, Laura Jeet is is younger. And I heard you telling me. I'm 33. About, okay, we're a bit, okay, we're, we're a slightly different generation, but you you have more of a handle on these ridiculous made-for-TV movies of yesteryear. Yes, now, yes. Now, now Laura Jean, I'm not talking yes. down to you, but this is what I do every time I cover <laughs> one of these ridiculous movies. Now, back in yeah. the 70s, this one's a little bit different because it's from the 80s. Back in the 70s, when we only had five channels, no cable TV and no VCRs or anything like that, VCR is the thing you watch things before DVD. Anyway, please continue. And I'm, you know, please continue, Patrick. I'm talking to myself right now. Anyway, when one of these made-for-TV movies happened, which would be a Wednesday night in prime time, yeah. they were always the most bonkers, inappropriate storylines. It was almost always Satan worship, baby-eating, incest, serial killers. Bonkers. And the whole family would gather to watch because that's what you did. Right. So nobody like batted an eye. Nobody batted an eye at, oh, yes, uh, like, yes, my, this witch moved into my house and, you know, she's eight years old, but she wants to sleep with my husband. Nobody batted an eye. Totally different time. <laughs> and to be yapping about it on the schoolyard. Shit stopped. This was an event. You watched it no matter what was on. It would come on, like, after the wonderful world of Disney or something ridiculous. You went from that to Satan worship. Just so it was amazing. <laughs> This is, uh, this is kind of well past the, the climax of this, that particular era. We're now in the 80s. And it was really cute that they tried to cash in on the slasher boom with Deadly Lessons. Yes. So we're going to move into the movie now. Uh, the one thing I want to say before we get going is this cast is bananas. I was taking a look at that. Like You have the guy from Chips in here. Yeah, Larry Wilcox from Chips is the detective who's on the case. Yeah. yeah. My my mom loved that show, and I, I was telling her, I was like, I'm watching this film that has Larry Wilcox as, uh, I'm not going to do a spoiler yet, but as a pretty decent character. <laughs> I think you just did. <laughs> it's okay. The movie's 25 years old, practically. I think it's okay to spoil it. <laughs> but, yeah, you've got, you've got Diane Franklin as our main girl, and I adore Diane Franklin. She is... Yes, Last American Virgin. One of my favorite underrated teen sex comedies. Uh-huh. And, and, uh, and, and uh, uh, Amityville 2 and Better Off Dead, another brilliant comedy, and the completely bonkers Terror Vision. What I love about Diane Franklin, and she, I posted this on Twitter, and she gave me a big hug, you know, Twitter-wise, after she's like, thank you so much. She, in her early movies, she did a lot of movies with sleazy, sleazy storylines. Like Amityville 2, she is the heroine, so to speak, and she's sleeping with her brother, and that's some, and doing total nude scenes with her brother character. And yet, she never, ever, ever came off as sleazy herself. Mm-hmm. So how she always retained this innocence and class to her, and that is a neat trick to do, especially in 80s horror. I yeah. adore her. And also, we've got some... some some little, uh, uh, some lesser-known horror people. We've got uh, playing one of her friends from school is uh, Renee Jones, who was sissy in Friday the Thirteenth Part Six, the one who gets her head twisted up. 
Yes, yes. Uh, I, I recognized her from one of the Fridays. I just couldn't recall which. It's Friday six. Yes, everybody knows her because she was wearing she. Well, one of you know one of those unfortunate wardrobe things that they you know were like we're going to make the kids look like cool teenagers. Nobody ever wore these things, but they had her in one of those <laughs> sets of jeans that are also like like the weird overall type short jeans, which just means major camel toe. The whole movie, poor thing, yeah. poor thing. You're finally in a major Paramount motion picture, and like, bam, there is a relief map of your private parts. Terrible. I see, but she's great. And baby Ali Sheedy's in it. I know. Yes. I felt. I like. I love The Breakfast Club. So when I started watching it. I fell in love with this film because of her. I was like, oh, I love this film because Ali Sheedy is in this film. Yeah, yeah. She was really, really <laughs> early in her career here. And um, also, you probably didn't recognize well, – the thing is, the girl who played Libby, the one they pick on all the time for being fat and who looks yeah. losing her diary, Libby – I had thought in my, when I because I have seen it a thousand times like but not recently I was like oh well, that's the girl who was the welcome to prime time bitch from Nightmare on Elm Street three no wrong I was completely wrong it's not her but do you know who she is no no she's Nancy Cartwright she is better known really? as the voice of Bart Simpson really? no way yep so she is a good wow wow yeah. shut up. Yep, and, okay. and, and then and then hanging out in the stables is everybody's favorite recently deceased Texan, Bill Paxton. From I know. Oh, yeah, I know. He's sexy. As he, he is, even with that mullet, that pseudo mullet that he had on. He's <laughs> still, still working for me. I'm looking at those lips. Look at those kissable lips. I'll be out in the stables. <laughs> hey, wasn't that wasn't that the same year that he did Weird Science? Yeah. 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 So he was he's still playing Chip then. <laughs> Yeah, he yeah, looks yeah. good in this movie. I was like, ah, yeah, no Paxton, rocking it out. And of course, heading the school is oh, America's yeah. sweetheart from 1960s television, Donna Reed. Mm. <laughs> Can we talk about Donna Reed's hair in this movie? It was yeah. funny because I was uh, reading some forums of this film before we spoke. And there's a few people that are that just ask the question, what the heck happened to Donna Reed in this film? <laughs> but I, you know, odd choice I, for a comeback. But yes, please continue. You know, it's it, it, it's like exactly that that they were talking about. Is um, it's an interesting that she chose this film. Um, they they were talking about how it doesn't seem because I don't I'm not familiar with her work in the '60s, but um. Uh, it's interesting how people are talking about um, how, oh, you know, it's interesting how she picked this film for herself and things like that. It, I guess it's something that it, I, you guys aren't used to seeing her in. I'm not sure. No, well, <laughs> she had been off the scene for a long time. And no, normally she was, she is known as being the perfect housewife and mother. You know, okay. vacuuming with pearls, that whole sort of thing. Well, while having a Duncan Hines cake baking in the oven, that kind of thing. No, no, hers would be made from scratch. She was the perfect <laughs> house frau. Okay. And you know, and also glamorous and beautiful. And she, her, she, she her hair could stop a bullet. <laughs> yeah, she looked like that. Um, the teacher that they called uh, Miss Catch in uh, in the Monster Squad. Yeah, yeah. And 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 well, we'll get into all this later. But man, she's just dressed 
so severely, and this hair, which was of the period, my mom used to sport bulletproof hair like that. It is the proverbial brunette football helmet that Sally Fields was crying about. It's Steel Magnolias. <laughs> this really is a football helmet of hair. Like I, the, the amount of Aquanet of this movie's budget must have been massive. <laughs> I would imagine. I cook like Betty Crocker, and I look like Donna Reed, but not in this movie. No. <laughs> it's, you know, it's so interesting how that was a thing in the 80s, you know, that stiff hair for that age group. You know? yeah. yeah. It wasn't just that age group. <laughs> no, sir. No, sir. No, sir. No, sir. I grew up on Long Island, whereas if your hair didn't clink when you knocked on it, yeah, when you knocked on your hair is what I just said. <laughs> you could knock on your hair, and it would make a noise. That was Long Island in the 80s. Where the bigger the hair, the closer to God, and the longer the nails. Oh, my God, on a clear day, you could see the Buttafucos. But... <laughs> so let's start talking about the movie itself. Now, since you are the guests, I'm going to decide. I'm going to let you decide who's going to do it. But I need one of you to give me a 30-second elevator speech plot summary, the very basic plot of Deadly Lessons, and go. I'll do it. All right. Well, you have uh, this plot that is very similar to, uh, let, let's say, um, Suspiria and uh, a lot, you know, American Horror Story Coven events where you have a bunch of young, lovely young women that are at this, uh, this Starkwater Hall boarding school. And um, essentially, they uh, start getting knocked off, and it's the proverbial whodunit, and Bill Paxson's there to brush the horse and look pretty, and uh, all, all sorts of uh, bodies are popping up everywhere in the lake and in the stables, and well, um, you know, and then at the end of the film, we find out uh, who the killer is. That was 30 seconds. You went over time. Oh, wow. Nice. Thank you for playing. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Yes, the girls of Starkwater Academy are in deep duty because there is a strangler loose on campus. That's it's that's crazy. That. And my phone is ringing, and that's so unprofessional. So the movie starts, and we're meeting our main character, Stephanie, who is played by the lovely and glorious Diane Franklin. Diane Franklin. Yeah, and I got to say, she showed up at that school in that dress. That would I love have made that a Mennonite be like, oh, no, 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 <laughs> even that's too plain for us. It's like Amish girls are like, no, no. <laughs> she got out of that taxi, like, is this a missionary school? What's going on? <laughs> I liked it. It was a cute dress. <laughs> I would wear that on the daily. Okay, okay, but you could probably wear that now and be cool and retro, but to wear that at the time, no, 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 no. I get it, she's supposed to be a farm girl, but girl, girl, they are going to pick on you so hard, and they do. So what is she, like, what's going on? Like, it's not a normal school situation that's going on, so go, why is she here? Yeah, that's another thing, is they don't talk about... Um, you know, it's big. The movie starts with her pulling up and she's talking about, you know, oh, I'm nervous if these girls are going to be nice or not. You know, um, they're rich girls. And she says she's, you know, she's there because she has a scholarship. But it doesn't seem like the kind of school that gives away scholarships often. And even if they do, 
Um, how did she get this scholarship? Like, that's what I wanted to know. Like, how well, did they she... Did, they did mention the scholarship that they only give it away once a year. They give away one scholarship, and whatever, she got it, whatever. But, yeah. but it's not the regular school term. What's going on? Right. No, I'm asking. Oh, you're asking. <laughs> well, no, because it starts there in the summer. You know, yes, so it's summer, summer school. school. Yes, and she's there because she, she got the scholarship, but she sucks at French. Right, so she wants to keep up with her French before she starts the school year. That's yes. why she's there. And all these other girls have flunked math. There's some subplot, like something they all cheated on their math exam or something. I forget. It doesn't really matter. But anyway, it's summer school. They're bad so it's, girls. Yeah, they're the ba- it's the bad girls. Yes. So it's the, it's the Starkwater Hall Academy for Wayward Girls. <laughs> and, yeah, so, so there's minimal staff and there's not that many students, which is the perfect scenario for a murderer to creep in. Nice. Of course, because, you know, in schools and in, you know, very big public settings, you can't have too many people. You know, that, that's why it's, uh, you know, hospitals make a good uh, setting for horror. Because, um, you know, you always look at a hospital, and I know my questions always, where are all the patients? Where are all the staff? But uh, it works. Uh-huh. And this is an ABC exactly. movie of the week, so that means they're working on the super cheap. So they're not paying extras for shit. No, sir. Right. Yeah. There's like two scenes with extras. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Yeah, so she gets there and she immediately meets Renee Jones and Allie Sheedy. You're Stephanie? Isn't it Yeah, hi. Um, I was wondering where the office was. Ms. Hunt said to look for you. Yes, you're supposed to go straight to the office, but we decided to head you off at the path and take you on a tour of the camp. Introduce you to the guards. Show you the torture chambers. Let you see what the brochure left out about Starkwater Hall. Well, what about my luggage? Leave it. Shall we? And and they're giving her the tour, and I immediately noticed that the Starkwater Academy uniform is exactly the same as the Eastland Academy uniform from The Facts of Life. <laughs> so I was really hoping a little black girl on roller skates would show up at some point, but it didn't happen. It didn't happen. <laughs> girls, girls, girls. Girls, there's a strangler. <laughs> <laughs> now that would be a fun Facts of Life, facts of life episode. Okay, sidebar. Sidebar. There was <laughs> a touring show that came through New York, and, and apparently it's still going around in clubs, um, that a drag company puts on. Uh, called The Facts of Life, The Lost Episode. Oh, no. And it's a musical episode called The Last Little Whorehouse in Peekskill. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> they're going to tear it down. They're gonna <laughs> I love tear... it. Yeah, they're going to close the school, so the girl's like, we can save it. Instead of having a bank sale, we can run a whorehouse out of it. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. God. Uh-huh. It's so does Dallas meets, uh, meets the facts of life. Oh, my. Well, it's a, just a different – well, they always are promising the facts of life. And now, Anyway, that was my sidebar from that. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I have to see this. Yeah, it, it, it's touring the country. It's still – they've still going for, they've been going for years. It's as stupid and tacky as you think it is. You know, you go and make sure you have cocktails. You know, exceed the drink yeah. minimum on that ticket. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so back to the movie. Uh, they're, they're giving her the tour, and so you get to meet all of the creepy ancillary characters. You have your mandatory creepy janitor, dude. Right. 
that guy who plays the creepy janitor was in everything back in the day, and he was always the creepy old dude. <laughs> Never the same. He could have been Crazy Ralph's brother from Friday the 13th. You know, you're not wrong. <laughs> yeah. Wow. You're really not wrong. Granted, he wasn't preaching gloom and doom, but there was definitely a family resemblance there. And you meet the hot stable boy, which is Bill Paxton. You meet that man whore teacher, Mr. Farrar. I don't even know what he thought, but but apparently yeah, a Starkwater character. <laughs> Sorry, I was like, yeah. What did he teach? I think he just taught the the, the acquisition class. He taught. Is, is, is Mr. Farrar is that is that is David Aykroyd any relation to Dan Aykroyd? Very possible. I didn't bother googling that tape. Oh, maybe I should look at that. Yeah, you do that while I babble. Um, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, you're right. He is the equestrian study studio, uh, 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 teacher because at this yeah. school, it's considered a social grace for ladies to learn how to ride a horse properly. And uh, can, we go, can we talk about how when she goes, you know, they introduce him, or when it's her first class, and he says, well, you know, or she's she's riding for the first time, and um, let's go back that um, Diane Franklin's character, she's from a farm. So the way she rides a horse, she rides a horse, like anybody normal she would rides ride Western a horse. style, yeah. Right. And then she goes to class, and he yells at her for riding the horse the way she does, and the girl gets, I forget who it is, that Sharma. rides. Sexy Sharma. Sharma. Sharma, and the way he's like, this is how you ride a horse, wasn't it a little bit sexual and weird? I found that weird. Welcome to the made-for-TV movie <laughs> of Days Gone By. There was Apparently, at Starkwater Academy, it's totally okay for a teacher to be openly boning a student. It was like, you know, the way he said, this is how you ride a horse, and the way she was riding the horse was a little bit forced humping. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It was a little bit funky. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, well, you know, I mean, and they, and he's having sex with her. I mean, it's it's first implied, and then then she flat out says, "We're totally yeah. boning, and everybody's okay yeah. with it." Mm-hmm. Welcome to the '80s. No, I uh, yes, I love I love Sharma. Sharma is one of our fabulous, mysterious characters because she is of Middle Eastern descent and a possibly uh, descended from royalty, so she's a huge needy bitch. Yeah. Yet, what I did appreciate appreciate about the the script in this is that I liked the girls. For the most part, yeah, they're rich bitches, but they didn't just hold on to that all the time. Yeah, you have a couple of characters that are off on the side that are always awful, but this nice little group of friends, even Sharma, who is creepy and weird and mysterious and you're suspicious of her all the time, has nice scenes with these girls where she's a normal kid. Yeah. I I love that. It was it was nice, and I loved her hair. Oh, her hair was her hair gorgeous. was beautiful. Don't you touch your horse hair. though, right? <laughs> only Sharma rides that horse, and only Mr. Ferrara rides Sharma. Say, Baxter, where is my white silk shirt? I don't have your stupid shirt. You're a liar as well as a thief. You're always ripping everybody off. Where I come from, they know how to deal with people like you. Oh, for sure. Women like to live in a tent anyway. I'm going to strangle Althea one of these days. I'll kill her if she ever touches my stuff again. She takes everything I own. She's always stealing my clothes, my makeup, anything she can get a hold of. She steals from everybody, then lies about it like she lies about everything else. 
And I could kill her. My father's bodyguard showed me how. The garrot would do just fine to take care of good old Althea. <laughs> I was confused, though, because they pronounced her name three different ways during the course of this movie. She was Sharma. I did notice that. Shara, and she was Sharlama at some point. <laughs> but the other thing that you need to know about these movies, Laura Jean, is that yeah. they usually had about eight seconds of rehearsal. Yeah. Because everyone was, oh, you know, they're usually attached to another project for the network, so they were just getting called in for a day and just thrown up, just go, 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 go. No, no, no retakes, just go, just go. Yeah. But yeah. scrolling back a bit, before she even meets her friends, she immediately crosses the, the real bitch of the school, Timber. Lauren, do you see what I see? Something unpleasant is crawling across the driveway. Are you delivering something? Lauren, show this person to the servant's entrance. No, I'm Stephanie Ageson. I'm new. I just arrived. I'd stay out of Timber's way if I were you. She doesn't mix with grody people. And her ah. equally awful sidekick, her flunky Lauren. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. And these, these are the rich bitches that you'd expect to see. And, what, and they just really try to latch on to 80s Valley School, Valley Girl speak. Yeah. And kind of failed miserably. They forced it, and it was done. <laughs> Timber doesn't hang out with grody people, says Lauren. <laughs> and meanwhile, the girl, uh, Stephanie, had just asked for directions to the office. She's like, we're not going to tell you because we don't deal with grody people. And meanwhile, Lauren is like the grodiest person you would like, like to meet. Right. <laughs> yeah. And it was out of nowhere. It caught me off guard. Like, it, she just automatically just comes up to uh, Stephanie and is just like, we don't, she doesn't hang out with grody people. That's like, that was out of nowhere, though. It was caught off guard. And so as a viewer, I was just like, whoa, okay. Like, <laughs> good to know that you were that mean, letting you say that. And then she ends up being the one meeting friends later. <laughs> yeah. yeah it, it, yes, it, it, it levels, twists. Yeah, that girl yeah. who played Lauren, she, was, she did a ton of sitcoms. She was always a, usually a guest star on sitcoms like The Sidekick of a Sidekick. I know she, I think she was Monroe's friend on Too Close for Comfort. Nick, you know what I'm talking about, Lauren. You have no idea. Oh, yeah. I have no yeah. idea. Because she's got a face <laughs> for comedy. So it was, I mean, I totally get it, Timber. You always keep somebody less attractive than you around. I know that girl game. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. That's totally what's going on. She's a total flunky. And you think, wow, this, this rivalry with Timber is going to be a huge driving force of the movie. Nope. Nope. Nope, nope, nope. Because they're not there for too long before. What happens? Timber. The Timber. Stranger. Ah, well, she doesn't, she doesn't get killed. She falls into the, the lake and gets strangled by seaweed or whatever. Well, they don't know what lost. happened to her, really, because those three – because okay, so Donna Reed's laying down the rules. She's like, hey, hey, you wayward girls, you hear her awful and you're stupid and we're keeping a, a, a strict watch on you so you will stay in your uniforms and, and you will only go to class and you don't leave the property and no fraternizing with those boys across the lake. Yeah. You were here for the summer session for various reasons, none of them good. I wish to impress upon all of you that this is not a vacation. This school has a fine record of scholastic achievement among the best in the nation, and you are here to maintain that reputation. 
school rules will be upheld. Free periods will be spent within the confines of the school grounds, and there will be absolutely no fraternizing with either the townspeople or the boys from Bishopsgate Preparatory School. You all have a great deal of work to do to make up your grades, and you will do it in a school atmosphere. Yeah, None of that. Sure. She's laying down all the rules and stuff, and it's got, so uh, this is going to be no fun zone for everybody. But, of course, everybody's running off to fraternize with the boys of across course. the lake. How could you not? The it's boys summer. across the lake. It's not summer, we ever get too. Huh? I said it's summer, too, and they don't have full classes. What else are they going to do? Just sit in their rooms all day? Exactly. Yeah. It's not the breakfast club. Right. <laughs> I'm trying to make an Ali Sheedy joke with the breakfast joke, with the breakfast club, and it's not coming. Yeah, so, <laughs> so it's going to be no fun hey, zone. Hey, we, have couple, we have a couple of scenes where we're meeting some of the other characters, like, Frickin' Althea Baxter, who's just the worst. Who's the one with the bow tie? Ah, the immortal Morgan Rank. Failed actor, English teacher, and star of Miss Grant's world. Cute, isn't it? Forget it. He doesn't have a sexual cell in his body when it comes to us girls. He and Grant are going to the theater tonight, and what do you want to bet they won't be back until lunch tonight? You're disgusting, Marita Armstrong. And you're boring, Althea Baxter. Excuse me. You try getting Libby in trouble one more time, your life's going to be a lot shorter, Peel. Steals things from the other girls, and she wears a wig that makes her look like Shelley Long on chairs, which is weird, but okay, whatever. And, <laughs> <laughs> and it just this school nonsense, and there's a rivalry set up with her and Stephanie, because Stephanie knows stuff in class, and Althea doesn't like that, so she pours paint on her, whatever. It doesn't really matter, because it's the second day of class, and Renee Jones and Allie Sheedy, they wake Diane Franklin up at 6 o'clock in the morning like, hey, we're going to go swimming before class. going to be so much fun and they go out there and they don't get to swim because they find timber floating in the water yeah now if she was floating how did she get tangled that's my you know wouldn't she be still tangled why are you asking for logic yeah i don't know I think what happened is is she gets tangled and that's you know she drowns but then her body comes back up after. Mm. Well, if she stayed down in the weeds, then they would have gone swimming and then and then they'd have to pay for an underwater camera. We we're on a budget here, Nick. I know, I know. A guy yeah, can hope. And it's like the time too that the film was made. They didn't. Yeah, the, those kind of things costed a lot of money, so a TV movie would not pay for an underwater yeah, camera. No, absolutely not. But but you know, but this being Starkwater Academy, you would think, okay, well, classes will be canceled, so everybody can mourn, right. and it'll be in all the papers. But it's not. Why? Why not? Well, because, because it's a made TV movie. No, no. Because the the head the head the lady in charge I would say Donna the head Reed, yeah. in charge Miss Wade uh, talks to the, the police and the head of the town and tells them no you can't shut down my school I have a reputation to uphold so please just do what you need to do in silence and don't tell anybody 
Yeah, and of course. Don't ask, run. don't tell. I must insist that this be kept out of the newspapers. The girl's family has been notified. The Board of Governors will have to be told. But we cannot have any publicity. You do understand that. It was, it was an accident. That lake is off limits to the girl. She had no business being there. Undoubtedly, it was some kind of assignation with one of the boys from the prep school. It's all most unfortunate. Unfortunate? Oh, yes. I, I guess it was. Um, what was your relationship with the girl? Relationship? Mr. Kemper, I am the headmistress of the finest girls' school in the country. Timber Logan was a pupil here. That is the extent of any relationship. Well, Miss Wade, can you tell me anything about the girl? What was she like? You're not a local person, are you? No, actually, I... Because if you were, you'd doubtless have a better understanding of the situation here. You see, many of our girls are third and fourth generation Starkwater pupils. We have a tradition here. A continuity. Timber's mother and grandmother attended this school. But you still didn't like her? No. No, as a matter of fact, I did not. Timber was uh, spoiled, arrogant, temperamental. She never hesitated to flout authority, reject discipline. However, that is all in the past now. You know what fascinates me about people like you, when you don't want to think about something zapped, that person or thing no longer exists? And the school must run normally without a glitch. So that's what happens. She pays them off. Well, she doesn't pay them off. She, I guess she just has to call them up and tell them not to. She doesn't have I to, mean, yeah. This, this the is whole the 80s. Town, <laughs> no, this whole, no, I get this. This whole town is built around Starkwater Academy. Without Starkwater Academy, there wouldn't be a town. Yes. So if Miss exactly. You know what Donna Reed's character reminded me of? The Jimmy Lee Curtis character uh, as the headmistress in Spring Queens, believe it or not. Okay, I'll buy that. I'll buy that, but you've, we've seen this tropes in, uh, a trope in other movies, too. I remember Urban Legend did the same thing. The dean of that school was like, no, none of these deaths will get in the paper. No, 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 no. We have, no. It's really? such an easy cop-out for, like, to keep a film going. Because the film yeah. could have just ended there. You know, the film could have been, oh, gosh, okay, now we've got to find a killer. Maybe 15 minutes later, the film was done. It could have been a 30-minute short film. But yeah. no, the teacher yeah. makes it a feature film. The teacher, right. the owner mm -hmm. of the school, continues well, it on. To be fair, <laughs> since we know how the movie ends and what's going on here, if she did not say, we're going to cover this up and everything's going to run normally, then the rest of the movie would never have happened because this right. is the inciting incident. Yes. So investigating the death of Timber, we finally get to see Larry Wilcox from Chips. And I know back in the day, Eric, Eric Estrada got all the press, but I was always a Larry Wilcox preferer myself. <laughs> I always liked the second banana, and that sounded dirtier than I expected it to. It's okay. I'm sure you're not the only one that no, likes just, the second banana. <laughs> we all like her potassium. No, no, no reason to be embarrassed. We all like her potassium. Okay. I put the ass in potassium. <laughs> and he's not having any of this place or her bullshit because he's like this whole thing is sick it's not normal for children to be away from their parents and being raised by strangers which makes sense now that he said that yeah it makes yeah. sense okay spoiler now. okay the, the, kill, the cop is the killer Larry Wilcox is the killer spoil <laughs> it okay no 
You know, there's there's something sick about a place like that. All those kids being sent away from their families. It's not right. You know, kids should live with their parents, not a bunch of dried up academics that don't know the first thing about raising children. No. <laughs> that we're talking about is I assumed that it was Miss Wade. Yeah. I assumed it was because she's the one keeping the kids there and she seems so bitchy about it. Like she seems like she hates them. So I thought she could, you know, cause I watch a lot of horror films. So I thought, okay, it could be the jealousy aspect. These girls are richer and prettier than me. And the reason I started the school is cause I was a poor, ugly person growing up, whatever. You know, typical horror film storyline. And now she's out to get these beautiful girls. Yeah. Because she just hates them. So I assumed that. I was like, okay, this, I know where this is going. But I did not know the twist that it was going to make. It uh-huh. did surprise me. And I it have really to did. say, for, for a cop who's also a killer, he was doing a really thorough job investigating this stuff. <laughs> investigating his own crimes. He was oh, crazy. yeah. He was standing right there when we pulled her out, Russ. She drowned. No justification for a full post-mortem. And the facial contusions and the uh, bump on her head. Come on, Russ, you've seen enough drownings. Naturally, she had contusions. The lake is full of John, for Pete's sake. We found her right by the dock. She slipped. She fell in. Caught in the weeds. She drowned. We'll file an accidental death report. Next step. Well, there's more to it than that. I mean, you can call it street sense, you can call it anything you want, but the vibes of that school are completely out of whack, and the principal, she's right out of all of her twists. Look, kid, um, you've been in, uh, what, about uh, three months? Well, I got no idea why you left the big city for a dead duck town like this, but I gotta tell you, there's nothing going on at Hamilton Lakes or Starkwater Hall that hasn't been going on here for a hundred years. And what's wrong with school? It puts this town on the map, for Pete's sake. Quit trying to make something out of nothing. The girl died accidentally. It's unfortunate, but that's it. He was, uh, he didn't need to. I think he just was probably bored. You know, he needed something to do. <laughs> no, because it was... And then that, that monologue, man, when he, was, uh, when he was talking to Donna Reed and she walks in, oh, man, that was, uh, that, that, that was a hell of a sight. His, explana- his explanation... Oh yeah, and uh, we're not there yet. We're not there yet. We're not there. Yet. But yeah, so now that Timber's dead, all of a sudden the students are dropping like flies. And Stephen, everybody is suspecting Bill Paxton, the stable boy, because it turns out Timber, the dead girl, last year she boned a townie, and she was <laughs> underage. So the townie went to jail, and the townie is Bill Paxton's brother. So I'm like, well, that makes sense that he would have a grievance against Timber. So now he's being set up as a suspect and everybody thinks it's him except Stephanie because he's so cute and look at those lips. He couldn't possibly have hurt anybody naturally. <laughs> and this is another weird thing about made-for-TV movies of this era and it might be because they all had to shoot in Southern California and they were always shooting on like a movie ranch somewhere that you always had horses. There was always horses involved in these things. Very strange. So you have lots of scenes of people riding horses and 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 things with horses, but whatever, it's all okay, it's okay. So now the whole thing is, is that, oh, uh, uh, Grody Lauren's like, oh my God, it's so barfy, somebody cut my bridle. Mr. Farrar, somebody cut my bridle. I mean, like I used it yesterday, it was all right then. Who could be so barfy? Which <laughs> is a plot really point funny. which actually means nothing, but it got her to say barfy on TV, and I enjoyed that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> 
But it turns out something really worse that happened is that, oh no, not only did Lauren get her bridal cut, but Althea Baxter is strangled in the stables! Kemper here. What? Be right there. Anonymous call, get my car. Althea Baxter just been found dead at the school. I hope that she was strangled with that awful wig. <laughs> no, I don't. I mean, granted, I was I was only 13 at this point, and I was going to boys' school, so I don't remember, I don't recall any teenage girls that I know wearing wigs. I mean, this is a different era. We have extensions and weaves and stuff, but a flat-out wig on a teenage girl? No, no, no. I was really hoping that wig would come back, but that's just me. <laughs> Like, if the wig would have come to life itself, maybe the wig was the killer, you know? Yeah, and so the thing is with this movie, uh, I'm going to, there's not much to it. And and so I'm kind of streamlining a bit uh, and maybe just talking about more uh, overall things that I noticed. um, That uh, it's not a horror movie. It's not a horror movie like the made-for-TV horror movies of the day. This is definitely more of a whodunit mystery thing that they were trying to cash in on the slasher boom, but we can't have a slasher on TV so it's going to be a strangler. And for what it is, I think it's still pretty fun. The thing that I noticed this time, though, is that the older ones from the 70s, when you watch them now on YouTube, without the commercials, they run about an hour and 15 minutes. This one ran a hell of a lot longer, and I got bored. I, uh, I actually really enjoyed it. I mean, I, I will say the kills, I, 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 the kills were weak um, huh. as yeah. far as not only, I mean, you could do a really good kill without gore and still have it be strong, but I think even the music that they used and the attack of it, um, the, the choreography or whatever they did, was very weak. And so when it happened, it wasn't really, I think that's where it got, I would say a lot of people would yeah. think it got boring because there was no, um, there was no uh, difference in my feeling as I was watching. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, she's, she just stopped. Uh, uh, pulled out of the scene. Okay, yeah. something happened. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. You're right. You're right. And my, my take was that with the kills, there wasn't a lot of... No, not a lot. No, I was gonna, I'm rephrasing that completely. There was no suspense to them. You weren't following yeah. a character. You didn't... I mean, you do see Althea in the barn, like, looking at Libby's stolen diary and being like, <laughs> but you never get a sense that someone's in the barn with her. And then later on, she's just found dead and off camera. Yeah. And yeah. that keeps happening. People are killed off camera, and you never see them in danger, and you're like, oh, my gosh, is it going to be her? Is it gonna, oh, my gosh, she's going to get away. No, there's none of that, because this is very much like an episode of Quincy that stretched out really long. That was the show in the 70s, Lauren. So- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, it was sort of like how a lot of the um, – it was sort of like the Friday the 13th series without the – the preamble and without the kills because you know how like the last half hour of the Friday, the 13th movies, you only see the, the main protagonist going around and then uh, subsequently discovering all the bodies yeah. that, you know, flip out of the drawers and, you know, little cabinets and all that crap. And it was like, it was that, but without the pizzazz behind it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it was TV and I get it. They were following more of your, mystery program format because this is how it would be on murder she wrote it would it definitely think about if you think about that even nowadays like i i am like my sister she's a big lover of like hallmark lifetime just because it's like you know you you like sometimes you just want those guilty pleasures and sometimes when i visit her we'll sit there and i'll watch a good hallmark movie during halloween or christmas and it is that you know it is just kind of like oh someone's missing 
But, you know, you never see the reason what happened. It's just kind of like there's the body. And yeah. there is, I, I think when you go and you watch this knowing that it's a made-for-TV film, then you will let go of those, let go of those things as, as us horror lovers want. You know, like yeah. we, want the, we want the rated R, you know, like, you know, we want the but, fight and the... <laughs> to be fair, Laura Jean. Yes. When this aired in 1983, there was still all the same excitement, and we were still jazzed to see it. We knew, even though it was watered down, we were like, there was something scary that was almost like a slasher movie on TV. That's amazing. Party. Yeah. We were still, all the horror fans were still all jazzed up about it, and that's kind of cool. What I thought was funny, too, I mean, this, or not funny, but just awkward, Donna Reed is having a relationship with Mr. Farrar. So he's boning a student, and he's boning the dean. She is significantly older than him to the point of uncomfortable. And I just said, this is like a Joan Crawford romance in her later movies because she was always hooking up with some 18-year-old. And you're like, ah, ah, with her big bun on. And it's like, no, 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 no. This whole relationship is gross. This is somehow less gross than your affair with the 17-year-old student. <laughs> Honestly, did you kill her? Of course I didn't kill her. My God, how could you even think such a thing? But you were with her last night. What do you expect I me to I was with you. But before you were with me, remember, John, I know a great deal about you. The police are... All right. I was in the auditorium. She came in. Now, I swear it was not arranged. She must have followed me. I told her to leave me alone. That, that It was crazy. She's a little girl, and I had no interest in her as a woman. And she started to cry. So I left her there. And I came to you. Now, I swear that is the truth. Please believe me. You are the only woman in my life. I'm here for you, only for you. Believe me. I just felt embarrassed for her. Because I'm like, are you, are you supposed to be glamorous right now in that outfit with that hair? Because no. It's, it's a funny scene. <laughs> no, it's, it's sad. And something I noticed when I was watching it for notes, because I'd watched it for content earlier in the summer, because I said, I got to do this with somebody, uh, yeah. one of my guests, upcoming guests, when I was watching it for notes, I noticed that for high school girls, the walls of their bedroom, with the exception of a Tom Selleck poster, which is awesome, all of their posters were for murder mystery movies. Oh, there was a Death yeah, of a Nile poster, that. there was a Clute poster, there was, uh, I forget what, oh, the poster from the movie Sleuth, so they're, they're also picking really old movies. And it wasn't oh, just yeah, one girl who had that. them all, they all had them. Hmm, that's that really was cool that they added that, though. Uh, I also really wanted cool. to say, fuck Libby's dad. <laughs> <laughs> Because Libby, Nancy Cartwright, she's getting picked on all the time because she's she's a larger girl. That you know, like the, the, she's getting interviewed by the police, and she's I just want to go home. And you know, Miss Miss Wade's just like, well, you can't go home. Your father doesn't want anything to do with you. He sent you here because Libby is a compulsive eater, and he won't have anything to do with her until she is more presentable to his, you know, what it constituents. Libby was in the infirmary, sick to her stomach after stuffing herself with half a box of donuts. I mean, a bakery box, Mr. Kemper. That's four dozen donuts to a box. Thank you, Miss Hunt. Are you happy here, Libby? It's all right. 
understand your father's a senator in Washington. Would you like to live with him? Mr. Kemper, Libby is a compulsive overeater. Her father refuses to have her with him until she is presentable enough for his kind of lifestyle. I don't think that statement was necessary, Miss Wade. <laughs> I just went, ew, and I loved Larry Wilcox at that point when he just said, uh, Miss Wade, that was completely unnecessary. <laughs> I may be. I swear they, they did that with everybody that was overweight back in the eighties. Is that if they had ten extra pounds, they were like, "You're all fat. You need to go to a cow." You got. You get sent away. Yeah, that was not. That was not okay. Uh, my other highlight of this movie. <laughs> my other highlight of this movie was that scene that you were talking about, where Lauren, the the gnarly barfy girl, has her big crying theme, which is, "I miss Timber and nobody likes me." She yeah. is chewing so much scenery. She is ugly crying and like dry heaving. She is going for the Emmy here. She was always going out at night. She said she said she went for a walk and I was asleep. I didn't know what that she left. I can't stop thinking about Althea's neck. Stop it! What are you doing sitting on Althea's bed? Maybe you should ask Miss Hunt for another room. No, I want to stay here. I know nobody liked her, but I did. She was my friend. <laughs> Maybe you should go home. Go home. Why would I want to go home? Nobody's ever there. Daddy's always gone. I've got 160 stores to run, young lady. That's what keeps you in your fancy school. I saw him for two hours last Christmas. Well, what about your mother? Surely she... Mother, my mother. You know what her new number is? She is starting a summer camp for poor kids. What does she know about kids? I've got a class after lunch. But Kelly and Marita are meeting me in my room. Why don't you come too? We could talk some more. They hate me. They don't hate you. It's just sometimes... Kind of pain. Yeah, it, it was kind of interesting because I wasn't expecting that for the kind of film that it was. And I was what? like, she is living in this moment. She, I went there. She went fully there, but it's not the time or place. It like didn't fit with the scene. I don't think. But the I thing is, she, you're absolutely right. And also, I know her from comedy, so I find this entire scene hilarious. She's comedy crying. <laughs> And therefore, it's fucking fabulous, and I love it. I adore it. <laughs> and what I, the thing that I did like about it, once you get past awful Althea, ba- Althea Baxter, and you granted there's not a lot of deaths after this. There's really only one. There's a couple of attacks, but no deaths. When girls started showing up dead or threatened with death afterwards, I got very upset because I had gotten very attached to them. Like when, when Sharma winds up dead, I was like, no! <laughs> no! Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
no, no, no. And I really like the little trio of, of Stephanie and, and Ali Sheedy and Renee Jones. They had some nice energy. We were just going over everybody who could have. I heard you. You were talking about Shama. Look, I know she reacted a little weirdly, but that doesn't mean that she was not talking about me, dear heart. Then who? Me? You think it was me? We didn't say that, Steph. Look, I mean, this is really scary, you know? One of the girls from this dorm just got murdered. It could have been... Then there's Timber. Maybe she didn't drown. But I didn't even know Timber. To know her was not to care for her. Unless you're Lauren Peel. Well, if you think about it, it could be any one of us. It could have been one of the faculty. Couldn't it? Or why not some weirdo who had nothing to do with the school at all? Look, it's just so we don't know you all that well, okay? Welcome to the club, Steph. I'm going to leave all you little Sherlocks to it and go take a shower. Uh, if you figure out it was me that did it, give me five to get dressed before you call the cops, okay? They did fun things. I like they had a fun, goofy vibe that felt natural for a movie like this. Yes. So, inexplicably, yeah. Donna, not, this part's not inexplicably, Donna Reed, after like the 15th murder, she has finally has a school meeting. <laughs> Since it will take... One or two days to make arrangements for you to leave. School classes will carry on as usual until you have all returned home. In the interest of your safety, no one will leave the school grounds. You will spend free periods in your rooms, and you will remain in groups of three or four at all times. I hope that you are sensible enough to understand why these precautions must be taken. At any moment, there will be a number of police officers at the school. I must emphasize that they are here for your protection. And you will do everything to stay out of their way, not interfere with their duties. And they will stay out of yours. Yeah, and she's I was like, like, okay, this, look. Like the seventh murder. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> your parents have been called. Everybody's going home. But until they get here, y- you need to stay in groups of three. And no one's to be alone ever, which nobody follows the rest of the movie. Right. Right, and the teachers are the ones that separate them, which is, okay. Thank you. Let's do it for the teacher. Yeah. Now is the winter of our discontent-made glorious summer by this son of yours. Oh, Morgan, you're so sensitive. Don't let the mad murderer get me. <laughs> but, Eleanor, I am the mad murderer. <laughs> Girl, where is your sense of decency? These terrible things happening, and all you can think of is to giggle and make fun. Marita, go to your room. Callie, go to the dining room and start setting the tables for lunch. First of all, let me go back and say that during at this point in time in the movie, this is when I was like, this reminds me of the show Screen Queens on ABC or Fox, whatever, uh, whatever the thing is on. Yes. And how, you know, during college, all these things happen. They just tell them to stay in their house and they have to stay there, even though the killer is there. Say, okay, cool. So at this point, that's what this reminds me. I'm like, finally, now they're allowed to go home. And and then, so yeah, they're like, same groups as three. But then the girls are in their room. The teacher comes into the room and is like, oh, you have to go down to the laundry room to um, Ali Sheedy's character. And yeah. then tells another girl, oh, you have to do this. And like, go do it on your own. Like, it's yeah. just telling them to go off on their own. It's very yeah. frustrating. Yeah, not, not exactly right. The girls were out the, the, uh, Ali Sheedy and Renee Jones were out being like, ooh, the murder's coming, and the French teacher shows up and is like, that's really inappropriate. Uh, 
Ali Sheedy, you go to your room, and Renee Jones, you go set up for dinner. I'm like, okay. Uh-huh. So I thought, well, that might work if she's the killer. Right. Or to make her more suspicious. <laughs> but it was annoying, but nobody was following this rule. Anyway, even later on in the movie, because uh, Ali Sheedy then has this whole, dra- this whole drama because Cortez is missing. Cortez is her giant stuffed monkey. Where's my brown sweater? I don't have your brown sweater or your gray dress or your red skirt. Just get off my back. Arita, get out of my throat. I don't have them. Look, first Cortez and now my clothes. Callie, you're going to be next. I can feel it. I'm so scared. Now, you listen to me. Whoever it is isn't going to come after both of us, and we won't be apart for a minute. I promise you that. Marita, come on. We're supposed to be friends, right? Here we are yelling at each other. Now, I bet you five bucks your missing stuff is downstairs in the laundry room. How would Cortez be there? Cortez is packing here somewhere. He'll turn up. <laughs> Which is kind of funny. Oh, it was kind of funny. You go. Well, and I was going to ask you, because um, I wasn't sure about the movie, and at this point, um, are they supposed to be in a boarding school, high school, or boarding school, college? High school. Okay. There we go. So that... High school. It, it confused me when she showed up in the taxi cab at the beginning of the movie, had money, all this stuff. I'm like, okay, her dad gave her all that. Um, confused me. Um, okay. Okay. So they're in high school, so that makes sense. She's allowed to have a stuffed animal. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, she's allowed to have a stuffed animal, and that's fine. Even in college, you can have a stuffed animal if you go away. But it's this enormous monkey, and it becomes this whole big, like, red herring thing that, well, because you think Althea Baxter was a thief, and you think, oh, well, maybe Althea has to go, but she's dead, but no, whatever, or maybe the killer took it. And, oh, but, well, actually, that's what Ali, she thinks. She's like, well, the Cortez is missing, and that means he's coming after me next. And Renee Jones said, well, it's probably down in the laundry room. What? Why is a stuffed monkey in the laundry room? And the thing is, when they're looking for the monkey, they're looking in the tiniest drawers, and this thing was enormous. Yeah. Like, there's no way that thing is in this drawer. What are you talking about? But anyway, it's just an excuse to get them split up, because then Renee Jones gets attacked. She's looking for the monkey in the closet, and she turns around. She does that thing that so many people do in TV mysteries and horror movies, where they turn around like, oh, hi, it's you. Well, that was quick. I hope you got the big blue one. I found a whole new civilization in here. Oh, hi. I thought you were Marita. She went downstairs for some more suitcases. Did you want me for some... (laughs) Do you know how many people's last words are... Oh, hi, it's you. What are you doing here? That kind of thing. (laughs) It's so many people's last words. And I got upset. I'm like, no, not Renee Jones. No, she was so cute in this. But Can I say my personal highlight of the movie? Absolutely, please do. My personal highlight of the movie was the falling hay on Diane Franklin. Oh, and yeah. the oh, reaction. I wrote that down. Actually, that was funny. That was, that was <laughs> that's a big trope in like all of those detective shows. If anything was on a ranch, you know that a hay bale is going to fall on someone and miss. It always happens. And it like incapacitated her for like an indeterminate amount of time. And, oh, man, that was a strong, powerful vat of hay. Uh-huh. I, I was thinking, like, if that was me, I probably would have just punched through the hay. Like, it would have, like, you know, like, the hay would have broken before it even, like, got to me. <laughs> I don't know. Like, it's just really funny. It was well, how funny. Had it fallen on Donna Reed, then it just would have disintegrated completely. 
<laughs> would have hit that hair and just disintegrated. And they have a feeble attempt at a cat scare. Yeah, so with, with that, oh, my God, the, the makeup work. Uh, when the guy just got that little cat scratch, and then he backed up, and he had, like, a, like this smear of, like, blood all over his face. Yeah. Oh, by the way, that actor, Rick Rossovich, he had an interesting career. They really were trying to make him an A-lister, and he never caught on. But he was in Die Hard. He did a lot of movies in the late 80s and 90s, and he just never clicked. Hmm. But this, Yeah, but no. It's really interesting to see him in this role because he's not really Hollywooded up yet. Yeah. Because you see him later, and he's just, you know, complete beefcake himbo. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know that was him. Yeah. 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 But the thing is, what, what I was going to say, after Renee Jones gets attacked in the dorm room, Stephanie, of course, has to because Stephanie has to find everybody because she's the main girl. <laughs> she yeah. walks into the room. She's like, "Oh, we found Libby." You know, whatever Libby was missing, but then we found Libby. Whatever, and then okay, oh, we found Libby. Everything's fine. Ah. <laughs> in the very next scene, she's out walking by herself. So you just found your friend strangled. And then you go for a walk by yourself on campus. What are you doing? Yeah, these it's just, it, <laughs> they're not natural. It's literally, I, it's just the writers going, we need this to happen. Or the yeah. director going, we need this to happen, just do it. Like, we wrote this we in a care. week. Yeah, we wrote yeah. this in a week, and we've got two weeks to shoot it. Let's just go. Nobody cares. <laughs> There's commercial breaks. They'll forget. Yeah, don't forget. Don't forget. <laughs> because you get up to pee and make yourself a sandwich every ten minutes, you're gonna forget what happened in between. It's exactly right. It's exactly right. One scene that I thought, even though I thought this scene was complete fluff, boring nonsense, there's a whole subplot with the creepy janitor where you really think that he's the killer because he has kidnapped Ali Sheedy in the basement. Yeah. And she's got her all tied up and duct taped, but it turns out that he he had a he was in love with her mom. Had a little, you know, unrequited romance. Not, not romance, but he had a crush on her mom when she was a student. And she looks just like the mom. And he's decided that he's her protector, but he's also kind of crazy and goofy. It's really kind of a pointless scene, and it's a time filler. However, Ali Sheedy demonstrates some great scream queen, make it through the final reel, survive the movie ingenuity. Yeah. Because she's tied up and left in a chair, and he's playing... Uh, Mona Lisa, Mona Lisa, which was her mom's favorite song that the guy listens to all the time and like sits in his room and cries and who does whatever, but not at the point right now. But he leaves her tied up with the stereo on so he can listen to the music. She can listen to the music and think about her mom. Miss Thing hopped across the room, still tied to the chair, and used her nose to turn up the volume so that people would hear it and come and investigate it. So that is some smarts. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well done, yeah. Ali Sheedy. That it's more smart than Diane Franklin shows in the final reel. Yeah. It's, it was the best scene in the movie for me. It was like, oh, they actually thought about this. You yeah. Know? They, actually, they actually put some time into this scene. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that, was shot, maybe that was shot in the morning. Maybe. They were awake. Maybe. They, 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 they were, were thinking they were straight. But, yeah, she's like, well, technically I need someone to save me, but I don't need to sit around helplessly while I wait for somebody to save me. Good girl. Good girl. Yeah. I appreciated that. The final chase isn't really much to talk about. No, not at all. Because, you know, <laughs> Franklin, normally she's great, but she doesn't have a lot to do here. Normally she's really a wonderful 
wonderful actress, but this is the, of the writing and the time constraints and what was asked of her. You know, she has, a, she finally gets attacked by the killer and she's chased across the creepy campus and running through the creepy school. And, but then the cop comes to save her. And she's like, Oh, why are you going to save me? But then realize it's him and it's, it's all craziness. And, well, it's just and, all of a sudden there's no cops around, you know, there's nobody around when they need to be, you know, uh, yeah, and, then, and then she discovers the marshmallow fluff all over her shoes and, you know, realizes yeah, that he was walking through the marshmallow factory. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I kind of get that because to a degree, a lot of the students are gone now. Their parents have been coming for them. But where is anybody watching these girls? Why are right. there not cops everywhere? Why does not every girl have their own cop or private security guard or something? Why is everybody walking around? Of course, if they did that, there'd be no movie. I understand that. <laughs> yep. This is good. This is good. I never would have let that happen. But it no, she wasn't. Me. No. It definitely frustrated me. You know, it's like she comes in, though, and she's screaming her head off, and no one is there. You know, it's no. just being prior, people were there, you know, just, you know, hours ago. There was tons of people around, or 45 minutes ago. Who knows the time difference? But well, you know what was pro- I just figured out what was happening. You know what was happening? The reason why nobody was around, they were probably all in the TV room because there was a made-for-TV movie on that night. <laughs> and you know how I said? Everything stops. So if somebody was screaming, be like, I'm sorry, I can't deal with you. The made-for-TV movie of the week is on. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Oh, that's what happened. But yes, it turns out it's Larry Wilcox. And why has he been doing all this? He has been doing this because Miss Wade... Um, when she was younger, had apparently Larry Wilcox's character, uh, Detective Kemper, um, was his son, was her son, and she gave him up, and now he's upset. He's upset that she didn't, I guess, take the time to find him or, you know, raise him, and he's very upset by her and how she apparently left him as a baby and didn't raise him, so now he's out to get back at her and, right. and ruin her school and her life. Right. And the added layer, which I appreciated, was now you run this institution, which is all about taking children away from their parents. Yeah. And while they're here, you don't care about them. You don't know them. You don't know their names. You don't know anything about them. Yeah. You walk around here like the queen and blah, blah, blah. And it was, it was, it yeah. was, it, it was a hamily written thing because he delivers the whole thing in third person, which is weird. Yeah, but I love the layer of the film. I love that layer of the film. It was... It was this man. It was a cop in the city of San Francisco, just like me, only he was smarter than me. But he made a couple of mistakes, yeah. He fell in love with a girl not much older than you. The family... He didn't like him because he was a cop. His second mistake was he got her pregnant. Yes. And even though he wanted to marry her, the family didn't think that was good enough. They thought that was a great opportunity to break up the relationship. So he tried. He kept trying, but there was no use. And even the girl, the girl even went against him. You believe that girl? And that ruined him. That ruined him. He lost his job, his good name, everything. And when he was 37 years old, he shot himself. 
and the girl, she, she had the baby. It was a baby boy. She didn't want him, so she got rid of him. She gave him away, and she forgot about him. Can you imagine that, forgetting about him? For the next 18 years of his life, imagine going from children's homes to foster homes, from one family to the next. And then by accident, he found out who his father was. And soon after that, he tracked down his mother. Did I forget to tell you? He was a cop, too. Yes. He found his mother at this fancy girl's school. The school was the most important thing in the world to her. She didn't want anything else, so he decided to take it away from her. Everything, her reputation, her school, everything. And that's Stephanie. It's the story of my life. I love that I was surprised by who the killer was, at least. You know, they definitely left you. <laughs> what? Sorry, say that again? Nobody else will be. <laughs> That's okay. Wedding years old. Yeah, no, I, I, I like the way they um, did that ending, because for, you know, how they do that little switch off with Mr. Hardigan, you assume something's going on there, but then no, it's the detective. And you got everybody's name down. You get a gold star, Lara Jane. <laughs> Even I didn't know the janitor's name. Well done. You're putting and his me first name is Robert, by the way. Robert. It's Robert Hardigan. Is <laughs> his full name? Robert Loja. <laughs> yes, I'm good with names. I think. Hopefully, I try to. Robert, be. <laughs> Ralph. They were totally related. You're right. He was totally close. Oh, by the way, I looked it up. Dan Aykroyd and David Aykroyd are not related. It's okay. a completely different spelling, apparently. I wouldn't think so because they didn't look alike at all. But you never know. You never know. You never know. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you never know. The thing that I caught this second time around after he confesses. Mm-hmm. His deputy, Rick Rosovich, shows up in the office, you know, presumably to save the day, but it's not a violent <laughs> finale. He just gives up. He's like, oh, well, you know what? I've said my piece. You're fucking ruined. I'm done. I'm going to give myself over to my friend here. And he just walks out. Yes, I know. Let's him walk out. Doesn't handcuff him. Doesn't read him his rights. He's just like, yeah. okay, I'll stay back at the station. Bye. And I thought, I thought there would at least be the shoot, you know, like a shooting. Like the guy opened the door, and maybe there was like a thing, and he shoots him, and that's the end. Like that would have been cool to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is the unusual trope is that your killer is still alive at the end. He's apprehended, but alive. It's It's kind of... Odd, given by by modern horror movie standards. And it's got that thing, which I hate with older movies, and it wasn't just TV movies that did this, that when the movie's over, it's just done. Yeah. There's a teeny tiny little bit of a tag scene with Stephanie leaving the school, getting the exact same cab driver she got the first time. Yeah. Bill Paxton making sure to show her off, and then Bill Paxton, you know, and, you know, anything that was teased with him, you know, screw Bill Paxton. Yeah, but it left things open for them to do a Deadly Lessons too. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yes. 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 At, at farm school. At farm school. Yes. Well, no. I, I think they should have. I think they should have combined um, the summer school franchise, you know, and uh, you know, done it on the slopes, and ooh, in the snow. I like killers in the snow. Okay. Well, she has skiing experience. She was in Better Off Dead. 
Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. So that was Deadly Lessons, kids. Done. And apparently they're, I think, as Nick Hunt said, they're doing a remake. Are they? Oh, is that Deadly what you were talking about? Okay, when I was looking it up on YouTube, um, there's a Deadly Lessons 2017 advertised, and it's also advertised as a Lifetime movie. And I know that recently they remade Mother May I Sleep With Danger. Oh, yes, yeah. they did. With lesbian vampires. So they didn't really remake it at all. What? What? About lesb- yeah, there's lesbian vampires in that plot. Uh, Interesting. Okay. Okay, so they, so they took Embrace of the Vampire and Mother May I Sleep with Danger and well, put they, them together. They took, they took Tori Spelling's real life and just brought it into the movie. I'm sorry, that was Terry. Tori Spelling is not a lesbian or a vampire. I'm sorry. I, that. <laughs> I was like, I don't think that's Tori Spelling's real life, but it could be Kristen, <laughs> Kristen Stewart's real life. I don't know. I, I've heard Tori. some weird things about Tori Spelling. So. You know what? <laughs> I worked with Tori Spelling on the movie Trick. I was yeah. shocked. She's a dreamboat. Yeah. <laughs> she is a pleasure She's to a dream work boat. with. She is a pleasure to work with and respectful. And ju- like she, when she came onto the set, by the time she left the set, she knew everybody's names from you know. She made sure. She's like, I'm yeah. not coming to the, I'm not coming to the set like a fucking princess. Yeah. I'm here to work, and I'm here to work with all of you. And she didn't yeah, say it right. like that. It wasn't obvious, but I'm like, she just really went out of her way to make everybody feel. Like an ensemble, like a team. Yeah, well, that's how I, you should be usually. Well, yeah, but you don't. <laughs> I mean, normally the the stars of the movie don't have time for that. Yeah. Yeah, but she. It was cool. I was. I was like that was, and she was fabulous in that movie. Fabulous. And so was I. But that's not the point right now. The movie trick from 1996. <laughs> Go check it out, everybody. Go check it out. Anyway, so. Yeah, so welcome, welcome, welcome. You've now been initiated into the wonderful world of awful made-for-TV movies of the 1970s and 80s. They continued on. They still make them now, but they ain't nothing like they were. You know what my favorite ever made-TV... Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, go. Oh, okay. Um, My favorite made-for-TV movie ever was... um, It was one of the after-school special made-for-TV movies with Ben Affleck as he was abusing steroids. And I don't remember what the hell it was called, but I remember that he was abusing steroids and beating on his girlfriend, and it was just atrocious. Interesting. What year was this? Um, I would figure late 80s, early 90s. Um, It was was way before he did Mallrats, because he was a lot younger than he was in Mallrats. So it had to have been... So it had to have been maybe maybe like ninety nine like maybe like eighty eight between eighty eight and ninety one ninety two. Those are the dying days of the after school special. Yeah. Interesting. I love the after school special. They were always so again so I forgot about them. They were also sleazy. I remember there was one with Scott Baio where his friend might have been gay. It was called The Truth About Alex. <laughs> oh my god. Because you now can't what? have Scott yeah. Baio. Can't have Scott Baio with the gay what was an after-school special? Like what? After-school like, special was something that was it was usually an hour long, and it came on at like four o'clock or five o'clock. It was geared toward a young audience, and it was some life lesson, oh. sort of thing. Like my parents, oh. something about a kid whose parents are going through a divorce, or you know, they discover that you know, oh, it turns out they secretly, you know, Johnny can't read. I love that. Why don't they bring that back? I don't know. Well, they they tried because I know MTV tried to resurrect it for a while. 
Um, and, and the idea, and then of course, you know, MTV opted out for, for different programming, you know, and we've seen how well that works. Yeah. 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 I feel like because media is so, I feel like there should be an after school special, like app, like on the phone where people can make after school special videos like YouTube people that go on this app. And then why don't we there. do that? Let's do it. I Let's am down. Let's do that. Let's bring it back. Okay, okay. We, we, just, we, just, we just closed the business deal right now, and I'm cutting this part out of the show so nobody steals this idea. Yeah, I think it would be a great idea. And you can get Charo and Rip Taylor and the Landers sisters, because yes. that's what kids today relate to. I know. You know, we're... we're, we're and we'll get we'll get Corey Feldman and um, you know he's a, bit, he's a little long in the tooth for the after school special. He could play the, <laughs> the concerned teacher. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's luring them into oh you know, oh you won't get addicted just yeah. one puff. <laughs> we can we can, we can get the Game of Thrones like the Game of Thrones cast and. <laughs> Because yeah, because they work cheap, they have no problem with. <laughs> doing yeah, no, they own them. Okay, Especially. okay. Before we close out, let's tease people. How can people find out more about Safe Place? Well, um, you're going to check out Facebook.com/slash/SafePlaceTheMovie, and from there you can find our teaser trailer, links to the Indiegogo that we have going right now. Dozens upon dozens of articles, interviews, um, you know, sexy photos of me, um, you know, lo- lots of wonderful, interesting things. Um, and you can also follow us on Twitter at Safe Place Film. And um, Lara, you, you want to take it over for, for where people can find out about you? No, well, I was just going to say on our um, Indiegogo campaign, you can win a date with me. Yes. Yes, you can win a you can win a Skype date with Lara, you know. Exactly, uh, and uh, Genevieve, right? Genevieve as well. Yep, you can't yeah. uh, you cannot win a Skype date with me. Um, I am I am way too expensive. <laughs> okay, I just want to say that this whole win a date with with Laura and this other girl made my inner dad go. Mm. <laughs> I'm a little concerned. Well, if you have the, the Skype date, you know, there's no actual interaction, and then the, the ladies also have the power to stop it at any point if it gets to uh, suggestion. Suggestive. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, my instinctual dad reflex just went, mm, I'm concerned. <laughs> I feel like I need to be in the room. I feel like, I, like you need a moderator, like when they had dates on the dating game. Oh, my God, I'm so old. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. It's just basically like if they wanted to ask questions, you know, and get I to feel, know. I feel okay. You know what? Before before that, you send them to me. If they want to date with you, they have to go through me first. They have to be like, okay, what are your I intentions? Love- what are your intentions for Lauren Zimmerman? Okay, what are your intentions? Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. I, I, need, I need her. Let's I need her off that. the phone by nine o'clock. It's a school night. Okay. Yeah. I love that. Let's do it. I don't like him. I don't like the way he's dressed. He's a ruffian. <laughs> I will send them your way in advance. Thank you. Thank you. I will be your gatekeeper. Anyway, thank it. you so much, Nick, for joining me. Thank you for Largeet coming along. You are a delight. You are a delight. Both of you have been fantastic. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for joining me. You are both fabulous, and whatever you do. You're fabulous. 
<laughs> oh, wait a minute. Oh, my God, we're going to split up, and then we won't be in threes anymore. Okay, no! don't get strangled. Okay, okay don't, nobody get strangled. Thanks for coming. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. And now, the audio from a teaser trailer for Safe Place. Hello? Can you see me? Can anyone see me? I don't have a lot of time, but if you are seeing this, my name is Lori Hughes, and I need your help. My friends and I are in a lot of danger. His name is Chris Craven. When we met him, he seemed cool, but then we followed, followed him home. He's gone crazy. He's babbling about death rituals and saving us from the world. And I don't even know how, how many friends of mine are still alive. And how many... gonna get out. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get out and I'm gonna save who I can. Please, if you can see this, tell someone, tell the police, anyone, just tell someone. And if you run into him, don't trust Chris Craven. No! No! Okay, my beautiful screamers, that is going to wrap it up for another episode. Yes, I am aware that I have some voicemails that I've been sitting on for a while, but I promise I will get to them very, very soon. That much said, with Halloween coming up and the marathon coming up and my back being bad and also the show East and Red that I'm, I'm performing in about to uh, open, I think I might have to skip the second episode of September. I know, I know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I will put out uh, something for you. I will, ha- I will have a, a flashback episode or something cool like that. Or who knows, if I'm feeling inspired and I have the time and I have the gumption, then by all means, I will get a brand new show out to you. But I will an- ask you to anticipate that I, Daddy's going to need a break. For the rest of September. I know, I know, I know. I know we're supposed to have Doug Shapiro on and then Trey Dean. We're going to get them on. Everybody's going to be here. But I think I just need a little downtime to heal and focus on the show. Because I, I've been a little scatterbrained of late. And this injury and 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 and, and all the painkillers that I'm on is not making things any easier. And especially with this back problem, the less time I spend hunched over the computer, the better. 
Now that I've said that, I hope I'll be able to surprise you with some fresh content before the end of the month. But if I don't, I apologize. And, well, hey, get ready for October because I'm already lining up guests. I'm going to start recording some stuff with uh, guests next week for the Halloween Marathon and also for the Friday the 13th Spectacular. That's right. There's a Friday the 13th in October, I think. If there's not, we're going to pretend there is anyway because I've already planned for it. Gosh, I'm not even looking at my calendar. Please pause while I look at my calendar. Yes, there is a Friday the 13th in October. I have not lost my mind. And you're probably wondering, but Patrick, you've already done everything in the Friday the 13th vernacular. Vernacular, is that the right word? Whatever. You know what I mean. The canon. You've done all the canon movies. What are you going to do now? You'll see. Daddy's got it all figured out for now. And I've got special guests for doing it, you'll be getting updates when we get closer to the time because we'll be doing a very special screening of the movie that I have chosen when the date gets closer and, and this play gets out of my head a little bit more and my back is feeling better. So patience, my pets. Patience. Everything's going to be okay. I'm not going anywhere. I just might need a little time to recharge my circuits. Okay, okay, and also, I just went to a uh, brand new Halloween haunt last night that I am itching to tell you about. Now, the people on the Patreon feed, they already know a whole bunch about it, and they're going to know more than you're ever going to know. So if you really want to know everything, by all means, go over there and, and become a patron of the show. And you can do that at www.patreon.screamqueens.com. You get extra episodes every month, bonus content, and and I'm still figuring out what to do with over there to make it super special, but it, everybody's been having a good time so far. And... Um, if you have a voicemail that you want to leave, pick up your phone and give me a call at 917-720-2047 or write me an email at crew at screamqueens.com. And as always, that's Queens with a Z. You can like me on Facebook by doing a search for Scream Queens, the podcast where horror gets gay. Or find me on Twitter at Scream Queens, of course, with a Z. Or at Instagram at no tiara for you. Blah, 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 blah. Social media, blah, 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 blah. So until next time, my beautiful, beautiful Screamers, continue to make the world a creepier place. And never, ever, ever forget the Scream Queens golden rule. Fight or flight. Survive the night. Make it to the final reel, baby. Cause daddy loves you too much for you to die early. Come on, baby. Damn. Bye. I go hunting for witches. Heads up, goes to roll. Some of the music for tonight's program has been provided by Mavio's Music Service. Check them out at music.mavio.com, bitches! <laughs>